Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. episode 284 of real life ghost stories and i have one spooky story for you today and this story comes from march the 20th 2023 and today's story comes from rochelle i'm a 52 year old mother of three so i've lived a life long enough to have amassed a few experiences for you there are my stories and the stories of my close friends and family i grew up in south london and lived in a ground floor creepy drafty Victorian rented masonette. Our flat had no central heating or bathroom and an outside toilet. I know it sounds really prehistoric for the 1970s, but we really did have a tin bath. Us kids were bathed in the butler's sink, but my parents had to bath in the tin bath in front of our electric fire. Our home was so close to Tooting Broadway Station that when I laid on the floor to watch Top of the Pops, I could feel the vibrations from the underground trains passing through the tunnels below our home. And if I put my ear to the floor, I could hear the loud rumbling, and as the trains passed, a spooky howling too. We were very poor, but never felt it. Everyone we knew was poor too, and some very deprived families lived in the council tower block opposite my home. It was erected after that side of the road was bombed in the World War II London Blitz. My earliest memory of a paranormal encounter was in that flat. My bedroom was at the midpoint through the property. The front door opened into a long hallway. The first room off the hallway was our front room, then my parents' room, and then mine, which I shared with my younger brother. The hall then turned slightly and continued down to the back room, kitchen and back door to the outside loo and backyard. My dad was, and still is, football mad, and ran a minor league team. This meant that our house was often host to his players calling in socially and I always took advantage of the opportunity to get out of bed if any of them came around in the evenings, as they were a great band of uncles who often brought us sweets or were just really nice to us. Nothing sinister or anything, we loved their attention. We were always at parties in social clubs centred around the club or the players or out in the fresh air at matches, a welcome escape from nature-deprived London. One night I was sitting up in bed, door open, with a clear view down the hall to the front door, flicking through picture books, when a man walked down the hall from the front door end, passing my door, and headed towards the kitchen end of the house. Our German shepherd, Jason, slept in the hall, and always barked when someone came to the front door, but hadn't on this occasion. But he had watched the man walk past and got up to follow him, I, of course, got up, went to the front room and asked my dad who the man was that was in the kitchen. 
Now, my dad grew up in the East End of London and was not a man to be messed with by anyone up to no good. He dove up past me and stormed down the hall to the kitchen. Obviously, he found no one, and a few minutes later, having satisfied himself that no one was in the flat and that everything was locked up safely, came back and told me that no one was there and that I must have been seeing things. The dog, however, wasn't playing ball. He wouldn't go back into his bed in the hallway and ended up sleeping on the bottom bunk of my bunk beds. He did this a lot after that. Once I was old enough to understand about period clothing, I realised that the man was dressed in clothing synonymous with the 30s and 40s. I think it was a programme on the TV set in the Second World War that made me realise. As the man had been wearing wire-rimmed glasses, a white shirt and a fair isle tank top. Growing up, I had a couple of favourite aunties, Auntie Joyce and Auntie Dolly. Auntie Joyce was a psychic medium, and I didn't find this out until I was an adult. She had a lovely, warm presence, and I was very drawn to her and she to me. We didn't see much of her because she was divorced from my uncle, my mum's brother. She lived in a big house with a beautiful garden. We had a tiny yard at home, so I loved the freedom and being able to connect with nature when I was there. The low chain-link fence between her house and next door had a gap in it because my auntie got on really well with the lady next door and my cousin used to have the run of both gardens as the lady next door had no children and loved seeing children playing in her garden. One day while we were visiting, I was playing in her garden and she came out to chat with me. She was very old and frail but had a beautiful smile and presence and she talked to me about some of the gorgeous plants in her garden chuckling when I asked about a small flower cluster by her pond because it was called Mind Your Own Business and I thought this was hilarious. As we meandered through her fascinating garden we reached a small octagonal summer house and went in to sit in the shade. It was very pretty with a round table in the centre surrounded by several padded garden chairs. In the centre of the table was a beautiful old tin like a biscuit tin but you could spin a knob on the top and your fortune would appear in a window on the lid. I've never seen one before, and I've not seen one since. It was such good fun, and we chuckled as we took it in turns to spin and see our futures. I've no idea how much time had elapsed, but eventually I heard my name being called, and told the lady thank you for having me before running back through the gardens. When I got back to the house, my mum said, what have you been up to? So I told her and my auntie. My mum turned grey, but my auntie grinned broadly, hugging me and said to my mum, See? I told you so. And my mum looked really cross. She asked me what I'd been doing, so I confusedly repeated the story, but with all the details, mentioning the mind your own business and the tin in the summer house. My auntie was now very smug, and it turns out that, you guessed it, The lady next door had passed away about a month previously. My auntie had already told my nana she thought I had an old soul and was well connected to spirit. And my nana, who was a very lovely open-minded woman, again I didn't find this out until I was an adult as my mother didn't want to encourage that sort of thing. My mum's a bit like Aunt Petunia from Harry Potter. Roll on a year or two and I was at my nana's house because my lovely auntie Joyce was in hospital for reasons undisclosed to me. My nana was an amazing nana. She taught me to sew, embroider, knit, crochet, bake, etc. We had a connection that is indescribable, 
but if you had a connection like that with another soul, then you'll know what I mean. At some point, my granddad had sat me up at the table to help him roll his cigarettes. Yes, I know, but this was the 70s in Wandsworth, South London, and my granddad was born in 1902, so a completely different mentality. Anyway, he had this tin that you'd assemble all the components in, then shut the tin and perfect cigarettes used to pop out of the top. I was loving my work and had rolled quite a few when the sitting room was filled with a golden light and I saw my Auntie Joyce as an angel floating in the golden room. She smiled at me and then slowly got smaller as if she were floating backwards into a brilliantly lit tunnel and then she was gone. To my grandparents, I must have looked like I was having some sort of absence because my Nana was suddenly saying my name and my focus adjusted back into the room. She asked me if I was okay and I told her that I had just seen Auntie Joyce and she was an angel now. My Nana was very disconcerted about this and was quiet for quite a while. About ten minutes later her phone rang and she told whoever was on the phone that she already knew as ten minutes ago I had had a funny turn and told her I would seen her as an angel. Unbeknownst to me, my Auntie Joyce was in hospice, dying of lung cancer. When my mum and dad came to collect me from my nanas, I asked them if I could go to the hospital next time to see my auntie as an angel. As you can imagine, my parents didn't have an answer for me. Good job both my nana and us lived in a ground floor flat. Otherwise, I'd have certainly been drop kicked down the stairs. Roll on about seven years and a cousin, who had lost her mum to lung cancer, was getting married and I was going to be one of her bridesmaids. My cousin had inherited her mum's house and as a 21-year-old nurse invited my mum, me and her other bridesmaid to stay at her house the night before the wedding and for my mum to kind of be there as a substitute mum for her. The night before we left, my mum was watching TV in our front room. Dad was in bed and so was I. Mum said she saw around the fireplace a haze of smoke appear. It formed a kind of orb hovering for a while while she looked at it and then dispersed again into nothing. The fireplace was a blocked up chimney with just an electric log effect fire circa the 70s and 80s. She felt it was my auntie sending her a thank you for stepping in to support her daughter. I think it was her first paranormal experience. After the wedding, my mum and a friend of hers booked to see a medium during our school holidays and dragged their respective offspring off to Kensington in London for their appointments. When my mum came out, she said the medium told her that Auntie Joyce had indeed been to see her before the wedding to offer thanks, so my mum felt happy to have had that confirmation. She said the lady had told her other stuff, but at the time it hadn't made sense. But my mum had to write it all down because it would mean something at some point in the future. On the way home, we all went into M&S to get some food for dinner, and I really fancied a grapefruit, so I grabbed one and asked my mum if I could have it. She was floored. She just stood in stunned silence, then set down her basket, opened her bag, and took out the list of things the medium had said. There, amongst a few other random names, words, and sentences, was the word grapefruit. I don't know if anything else from the list came up at any time, but that was enough to have my mum convinced that there's an afterlife and that mediums can speak to the other side. Over the years, I dabbled a bit with Ouija boards and got books on the paranormal out of the library, but really had no contact with anyone I could learn from. 
When I was in my early 20s, I was working as a hair and makeup artist, travelling the world and based in a salon in Surrey for my day job. It was an amazing experience. I met lots of interesting people, stayed and dined in places a girl from my social class could only have dreamed of, but it was physically and mentally exhausting. A lady came to work at the salon I was based in and I felt an instant magnetic connection to her. Her name is Beryl and we are still friends to this day. She had had an incredible life. But at that point, at the age of 45, divorced and her children having left home, she wanted a new challenge, so decided to train as a hairdresser. She was so enigmatic the clients loved her. We were chatting one day when she'd not long started in a salon and she said she attended spiritualist church on Sunday evenings. My interest was immediately piqued, and she invited me to join her the next Sunday. Miraculously, I wasn't jetting off anywhere that weekend, and so I went. I had no idea what to expect, but it was a warm group of people, and each week there was a visiting guest who would have some kind of gift. This first week, it was a young medium only a couple of years older than me, On the table at the front was a vase of wild flowers that someone had picked and brought to the service. While we all took our seats, she picked out the bluebells and after quickly introducing herself, she came over to me and handed me the bunch of bluebells. She said they were a gift from my grandfather who had passed a very long time ago. I told her my grandfather had only passed a couple of years ago and she said, no, you have another grandfather, your dad's father's. I said yes, but I had never met him. She laughed and said, well, you have, but that was before you were born. Anyway, he's been watching over you since you've been on this earth plane, and you are the apple of his eye. She said the bluebells were in flower when I was born. I'm an April baby, so that was correct. But also, she said, you have a doll called Bluebell, and you pierced her ears with blue bead-topped pins, which was also true. She asked me to write down some dates and names which meant nothing to me and told me to ask my dad about them, then blessed me and moved on to the next person. She covered lots of people and looked exhausted by the end of the hour. After the service we all had tea, coffee and biscuits and she fought off several people to come back to me. She said she didn't want to say publicly because she knows what it's like to get unwanted attention but she needed to tell me that I had a lot of psychic abilities and that I'd get the chance to develop them very soon, not to be afraid and to just go with it as the spiritual world opened up to me. I told her that work commitments would not allow me to pursue that direction, and she laughed and then said, oh, you'll be changing jobs soon, you can't keep burning the candle at both ends, and the universe will alter your path to enable your psychic development. Well, the universe did enable me to develop. I developed contact dermatitis, the end of many hairdressing careers. Within a few months, I had moved into teaching hairdressing, which was a much calmer Monday to Friday, nine to five job than I had ever experienced or anticipated. Finally, I had free time, a chance to date, and a chance to go to spiritualist church again. One day I was sat in the church, which wasn't an actual church, just a local hall, a few miles away from the area that I lived in by then. There were always different faces at the church and this particular evening was no exception. At the end of an unremarkable service where the medium was about as vague and questionable as the daily newspaper horoscopes, yes, the majority of platform mediums are way more confident than they are talented in my experience, I felt a tap on my shoulder 
by a lady who had been sat behind me. The lovely smiling lady introduced herself as Anne and she introduced me to her husband Peter. She asked me if I would consider coming to their house the following Tuesday evening for a psychic development circle. I was way too excited to be hesitant in any way and agreed immediately. She told me she could tell that I was an old soul and had many gifts that needed exploring, including healing. Her husband was the healer and she was the medium, amongst other things, so I instantly knew the opportunity promised by the medium I'd met at my first visit to the church was manifesting. As I got up to get a coffee, the platform medium stormed past me, glared at me and almost spat out how much she resented the young people. I was the only person under 45 at the church that day and every time I went. Anne came over and said that the medium was jealous that I'd been asked to join her circle. The night of the first circle followed in a similar vein to the previous Sunday at church. The other members of the circle were all well past their 50s and a couple of them voiced very plainly their displeasure at my being there. Anne was not cross, she just chuckled and told them not to judge a book by its cover. I will never forget the way that evening played out. It was so significant to me, a bit like trauma or a major event in your life. You remember every second of it in great detail. The room was dimly lit and there was incense burning. There were all manner of chairs in a circle around the room. I sat on a dining chair. Some people were sat on sofas, chairs and cushions on the floor. We recited the Lord's Prayer, did a grounding exercise and then Anne led a guided meditation with some spiritual music. The meditation was very simple and just involved us doing some breathing techniques and walking through the forest and each of us had to go off in our own meditation and we would be asked about it at the end of the meditation. Anne asked everybody in turn what they had seen. Some had met other souls on their journey who they knew or Anne knew to be that person's spirit guide. I was a bit embarrassed because what I had seen was very different to everyone else's recollections. But before I could tell anybody what I had seen, she told me what I had seen and we were all mesmerised by her ability and I couldn't believe that she had seen the same things as me. I had visualised walking deep into a rainforest where I had found a beautiful pool fed by a shower height waterfall. There were deer and small mammals everywhere and I had bathed in the pool. The bit I didn't see coming, though, was the fact that with me were two men, a Native American healer and a Native African healer. She said that the pool was a cleansing healing pool and that they had guided me there because I needed healing and that I couldn't be expected to heal others through them unless I was healed myself. Not surprising, I was still getting some animosity from two members of the group, but Anne powered on and decided that we were all going to do an exercise in psychometry which is the reading of an energy given off by an object. Each of us was asked to take something from our pocket or our handbag, wrap it in a tissue and then place the wrapped tissue on a tray. Peter took the tray outside of the room, mixed all the items and then came back in with everything on a tray in a different position. Each of us then took a tissue. We didn't open our tissue, we just held it in our hands. Anne went around the room asking us to talk about things that popped into our heads while we were holding that tissue. The descriptions varied in depth and detail, but only a couple of people managed to pair the object with a reading for their owner. 
I'd had some very clear images come into my mind and I just hoped that they were relevant to somebody because they didn't mean anything to me. I described being in a room that was a music room. All the walls were wallpapered with sheets of music. There was an upright piano against the back wall and on top of the piano was a collection of decorative elephants and owls. To the right of the room were some panelled French windows that were open and sunlight was streaming in. Lace curtains were dancing on a light summer breeze, showing glimpses of a beautiful garden outside. One of the not-so-welcoming party members was a man, and when I opened my eyes I saw him staring in disbelief at me. He said he could take this message and he no longer looked aggressive. He went on to explain that he had lost his wife about a year previously and she loved playing the piano. She had so many sheets of music that he used to joke that she could wallpaper her music room with them. He said sitting on top of her piano was indeed a little row of elephants and a little row of owls that she collected. He said I had described her music room right down to the French windows and the beautiful garden outside. Anne smirked and told me well done. I went every week after that and explored all different types of spiritual learning. There was a spirit that resided in the house who did not like one of the ladies in the circle and every time she sat in a particular armchair the spirit violently pushed her out of it and onto the floor. Anne taught me how anything can be used as a conduit by a medium to read, but really things like tarot and crystal balls are a crutch that readers like to rely on, in case they can't connect to the spirit world on their own. Peter, Anne's husband, taught me about healing and I attended psychic fairs and performed free healing with him on many people. This was emotionally hard, as we created a circuit around the patient and could often feel their emotional torment, even visually experiencing violence and sexual abuse the people have suffered. I have found since that I can work using my guides and they protect me, so that's how I operate now. This couple facilitated my growth, and through people they introduced me to, my belief in the spirit world became more and more concrete. I still met mediums who were about as tuned in as a broken radio and there were always enough desperate people in church or at theatres that would take any message, no matter what it said, and make it fit out of sheer desperation to connect with their past loved ones. I get it, those people need to believe, but it does give the real mediums a bad name. I also continue to meet people with real, undeniable abilities. I can only say this because they came to me with readings that were so specific, there's no way in the world they could have been guessed. Let's go back to the first medium with the bluebells. Well, my dad's dad passed when my dad was five, so my dad knew very little about him, and I'd lost his mum when I was five. So after I had gone home and told my dad everything at my first ever reading, my dad rang his older sister. She looked in their family Bible and found that the dates I'd been given were his father's birth and death dates. Another spot-on medium came to me one Sunday and said, you are surrounded by so many people and animals in the spirit world who want to say thank you for the love you gave them. She then listed them. The Chinese baby boy who I used to babysit that passed age 18 months of a heart condition. The tiny black kitten I'd found in the snow after school and brought home but sadly died that night. My German shepherd. My cat that used to steal from the local butcher shop. My auntie that was psychic. On and on went this specific list of souls that meant something only to me. This story was so fascinating to read and I feel like it's the first time that we've had a story where we've mapped the journey 
of somebody with psychic abilities from beginning to where they are now. Because I think we've had so many people that have written in over the years who have psychic abilities or believe they are sensitive, whatever it is. But I don't think we've ever had a cohesive mapping of that journey from their childhood to adulthood. And it's so understandable that as a child you would see that man walking past the door and not register that what he was wearing was periodically out of place. Of course, as a child, you're not going to think, oh, that outfit looks like something from the 30s or the 40s. And also, if you're somebody who lived in a house where there was always people coming and going, you're not going to immediately question this man being there. And it does make me wonder if in other avenues of your life, not just necessarily in your household, did you see other people that maybe weren't necessarily living people? Because, of course, you wouldn't realise or you wouldn't question it. Auntie Joyce sounds pretty amazing, by the way. And I love her, haha, I told you so, attitude to you seeing the neighbour and interacting extensively with the neighbour next door who had passed away. I have never heard of one of those biscuit tin fortune teller things. And I went on a bit of a search because I thought that that would be an amazing thing to own. The only thing I can find, or one of the things that I can find that seems like it might be the same thing, is called a Cracker Jack fortune teller toy. Rochelle, if you're listening, I would love to know if this maybe potentially was the toy that you were talking about, the little fortune teller biscuit tin thing. I also can't even begin to imagine the fear of your mom to be like, oh, no, 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 I don't want my child being a spooky bitch. <laughs> and it's incredible that you saw your Auntie Joyce beautiful as an angel in the glowing room going towards the light. It's just incredible, really, like your your abilities sound incredible. And it really does sound like you found your people in going to that spiritualist church. I mean, obviously, like you said, these things are always going to be touch and go as to whether or not they seem genuine or whether or not the medium seems like maybe they're chancing their arm a little bit. Or, as you so diplomatically put it, are more confident in their abilities than maybe they should be. And I also appreciate massively the fact that you pointed out that actually a lot of the people who go to these events are desperately seeking something, some sort of comfort, generally because someone that they loved has passed away and they want something to demonstrate that that loved one is still around them or is happy. And I, I, I've I, seen that numerous times with people at these sort of events. And I imagine as somebody who is a psychic medium, it's probably quite difficult to manage that sometimes. I also would like to say that it's, you know, sometimes it's nice to see that in every walk of life, no matter what community you are part of, it is very clear that there's always going to be some begrudgers. There's always going to be people who are like, I don't want that person here. <laughs> that person is too young. That person doesn't have the right abilities, yada, yada, yada. But it just goes to show that you absolutely showed those people. I also find it absolutely wild that that original medium gave you the dates of your great-grandfather's birth and death. That's pretty incredible. And actually, it does sound like you've had a lot of experiences with mediums that have been really spot-on and really positive experiences. Rochelle, thank you so much for sending in your story. That was so 
incredibly fascinating. And if you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to Podcast at gmail.com. And if you are desperate for some extra spooky content, you can subscribe to the Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories, where for $5 a month and $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note, I shall see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.